0: Are those not simple but powerful words that were echoed by our Lord some many years ago and that still echo throughout our lives? It's amazing. Every time I hear those words, it somehow challenges me. It somehow speaks to me. It's hard to imagine that such words could be at the heart of a controversy. But you know we live in the United States of America, right? Where every day is a controversy. This morning... I decided, against my better judgment, I decided to turn on the television. And I turned on the news. Now, I'll be honest with you, most Sundays, even Saturdays, I try to fast from the news so that I'm in good spiritual condition to come and deliver the message to you all today. But against my better judgment, I turned it on. And would you imagine that at that very moment that I turned the television on, I heard someone reciting the Lord's Prayer. It was on the news. It was a high-profile individual. I'm not going to tell you who it is because somehow it would evoke some type of reaction from you one way or the other. You'll either love or hate the situation probably. Now, see, some of you, you're already trying to Google to find out who it is. (laughs) Bill Cox, put your phone down. You don't have to Google it, all right? But there was this prayer that was given. It was the Lord's Prayer. It was read yesterday, actually. And there were so many individuals that responded different ways to it. I mean, you certainly had those news outlets that were praising this individual for doing it. And you had others who were trying to detract from the reading of that Lord's Prayer, that model prayer. And I thought to myself, how bad is it when we have entered into such a culture that the Lord's Prayer becomes controversial? And yet, so many times we hear it, we read it. And we don't see the simple, just wonderful impact and significance it should have upon our lives. Instead of talking about how the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer would inform us as a people, we're just debating over whether or not it should have been used in that circumstance or it should have been delivered as it was. My friends, I hope over the last few weeks you've seen that as we've read through this, as we've seen what Jesus would teach us about prayer, that somehow this model disciples prayer is is so significant for who we are in our relationship to god i hope you've seen that i hope you have grown in your relationship as we've studied this as we've looked at it and today as we focus again on verse 12 i hope and pray that we'll not only grow in our relationship to god but that it would challenge us to grow in our relationship to others Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. We've been looking at this Lord's Prayer the last few weeks and we focus again on this idea of forgiveness. Now last week we talked about the first part of that verse and forgive us our debts. Today I want to take the second part of that verse. I want to think about this idea of forgiveness extending to other individuals as Jesus prayed not only that the Lord would forgive us our debts, but also as we would forgive our debtors, we would recognize the relationship that we are to have with one another. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The first part of that verse basically says, We need forgiveness. That's what we talked about last week. We need forgiveness in our lives. We recognize that we have fallen short of the glory of God, and we do that regularly. We need forgiveness from God, even as children of God. Remember, we talked about this just a little bit, that we as children of God, we don't come to get saved again. We don't come to be redeemed again. We don't come to be washed from our sins. I really believe, listen, I believe that when we accept Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives, he forgives us our sins. His blood is significant and sufficient enough to cover us our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. I'm convinced of that as I've studied the Scripture. But I also know that when I pray for forgiveness as a believer, when I'm coming to him, just as these disciples did, and they were taught to, for, to pray for forgiveness in their lives, they were praying, as I said last week, Not just for a positional relationship. I'm already a child of God. He is my father no matter what. What I'm praying for is a restoration of the personal relationship. That I can have that fellowship with him that I should have. But we need forgiveness from him. We need the restoration of that fellowship. That relationship. Well, today... As we focus on this second part of the verse, as we forgive our debtors, we recognize that not only do we need forgiveness, but we need to forgive. I mean, this is a powerful statement. It is really a powerful prayer that Jesus makes that we need the power in our lives to forgive others. So I want to give you a couple of truths, okay? Somebody said the other day that I've been on this two-point kick here lately. I'm still on it, all right? Let me give you two truths today. First, just as we need forgiveness from God, others need forgiveness from us in particular. Just as we need forgiveness, other people need forgiveness. When I'm reading this, and I recognize again that the first part of the verse says we need forgiveness, the second part says that there are people around us who need forgiveness from us as well in other words there are other individuals around us who have created some deficit in the relationship with us there is a debt that is there because of some action some word some attitude there is some type of debt that is there forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors Verse 14 and verse 15, we'll come back to it later on in the message. But there, the the word for sin is trespasses. Now, this idea of debt is given to us in verse 12, and then it's described for us as trespasses in verses 14 and 15. Those words show us the deficit or the issue that we have in our relationship. So it can be, identified as a debt that we have somebody has wronged us and there's a debt that is created or it is a trespass now I went back into my original languages and I said you know I'm gonna I want to see what that word looks like what the word trespasses I want to see which word that is because you know there are different words in the New Testament for sin I got to that uh, verse 14 and verse 15 and looked at that word trespasses in the original language when you break it apart, when it, it's kind of like a compound word. I see you're getting real excited about this. I am too. It, it, it's a compound word, okay? There's a main word and then there's a preposition that's been added to the front of it, like a prefix. You're really excited now. I see you. The main word there is death or corpse. The prefix means something like about, around in concerning so get this this idea of trespass that is what somebody has done against me in a sense is like they have brought death into my life or they brought a corpse into my life you ever felt like you've had somebody you knew or you met and they brought death into your life let me put it this way some of you can maybe get this in mind but uh, a couple of our friends are here from zachary uh, they came up and stayed this weekend with us, and uh, uh, my boys went out and stayed at the camp with them and all that kind of stuff. And Friday, it was a beautiful day, was it not? I know it was a little cool for some—I thought it was a beautiful day. We went out, and we went fishing, and we caught all kinds of brim. And you know what? When you when you take a little brim like this and you put it in a cooler, it's like God somehow multiplies the meat on that thing, because I didn't think we'd have enough to feed my family, much less friends. But we were able to take that those brim, and we came home, and we, uh, well, I didn't, but they did. Cleaned them, and um, <clears throat> got everything situated, and uh, we, we, uh, we were cooking them and all that. And, but the only problem is, once you do that, I mean, they're good to eat and good to have. But, you know, you have all these, like, bones and scales and all that kind of stuff. And those things can get to smelling. They were kind of like, What are we going to do with this? I mean, the garbage doesn't come till Tuesday. It's going to be exciting around this place by Tuesday. What are we going to do? I said, Well, Don Mears lives right next by. I think I know where his garbage can is. We'll take it out there real quickly. Have no problem with that. I'm sure he's not. Well, we came up with our own genius plans of trying to somehow make sure that the smell did not infect all of the community or the neighborhood. We came up with it. We'll see if it works. Still got Tuesday to go. But you know, I was thinking about that. Again, there are people that create debt in our relationship with them. But also what they do is they will bring the smelliest stuff in our lives. They'll bring... They'll bring their corpses in our lives. They'll bring their dead fish in our lives. They'll bring all of that stuff in our lives. So just recognize that. You and I, as long as we live on this fallen planet, we will see broken relationships. We'll see it. It's not fun. It's not something that I pray for daily that I'll experience a broken relationship. But I'm telling you, if you live on this earth with sin that abounds you will see broken relationships. It'll be like death has been created between you and somebody else. It's like they have brought, again, this corpse into your life, death itself into your life. And you'll be hurt. And there'll be real pain. And there'll be so much difficulty that you'll face in Relationships. Jesus understood this. Again, he's saying, God, I know that these disciples need forgiveness, and I'm teaching them about praying to you about forgiveness. But I pray, Lord, that as they seek forgiveness from you, that they are forgiving other individuals as well. Because I know there's going to be broken relationships. He's assuming that. He knows the way sin is going to ravage the relationships here on this earth. He understands that there will be pain and brokenness. Some of us this day we could stand and give testimony of broken relationships. Maybe a coworker, maybe a classmate, maybe a parent. It may be a child. It may be a spouse. It could be any body that lives in our lives that somehow because of personal sin, because of what they have done, they have come and they have created a debt in our relationship. A few years ago, I was preaching around Eupora, Mississippi. Any of you know where Eupora is? about two of you those of you went to mississippi state you knew where upora it was where you went for a date right to get out of start most of the time probably but Eupora, mississippi i was preaching down there doing a revival very small church i believe maybe we had 50 there one night seemed like a great night for us and uh, we were talking, we were praying together before a service and uh, my dear friend that I went to Blue Mountain with, it's an older man that was just, I mean, just salt of the earth had worked very hard to be able to finish school and to do whatever he needed to do. Sometimes he'd work at night to support his family and, and um, come to school all day with me. I mean, I always admired him so much and we were praying together and, and uh, he told me of a situation there in his church asked me to pray about it specifically. I said, what's that? And he said, well, we have these two sisters in the church that can't stand each other. I said, really? He said, can't stand each other. One will sit on one side of the church, one will sit on another. Well, look, it's not a big church. You can still see each other. He said, since I've been here these last couple, three years or so, um, I've tried to address it. I've tried to address Sunday school in particular, because we have two older ladies Sunday school classes. I said, you do? He said, yeah. He said, we have three in one and two in the other. I said, you are kidding me. He said, no. He said, and the teacher in the one wants to give it up, so that means only one person's left in there. It's hard to have a class. It would be hard to have a class, to connect, you know, kind of deal, fellowship. So I went to them and I asked them, some of our deacons, about trying to just combine the classes. Deacon said, oh, no, pastor, we can't do that. I said, why not? I said, you understand, sister so-and-so and sister so-and-so, they, they can't stand each other. And he said, I know that, but come on. Surely we can get together and get in the class. No, we cannot do that. And we can't afford to make any of them mad because both of them give to this church and we can't make them mad. So he left it alone. He had left it alone. So that night when we were praying, he was telling me again about this situation. He said, I got to go back to him. I got to talk to him." So he went back and he talked to them. And talked to the deacons about it. And the deacons decided that it might be best to just get a new pastor instead of trying to get these sisters together. And they did. My dear friend, who I respected and had one of the most humble hearts, had to leave the church there because two sisters couldn't get along. But you know, we see that, do we not? May not be just sisters, it may be other individuals because they're debts. We have, to- listen, there are people that need forgiveness. They're individuals. We needed forgiveness. Listen, one of the reasons we forgive is because we are forgiven. I mean, look at this again. Jesus is praying, God, forgive us as we forgive our In other words, we recognize we need forgiveness from you and we're going to forgive others. We need to forgive other individuals. Ephesians 4.32 says that we ought to be compassionate and tenderhearted to individuals. We ought to be kind to them, forgiving them, he says, because we have been forgiven by God in Christ Jesus. Why can I forgive? Because I have been forgiven. If you have an issue with forgiveness today, let me tell you, you just need to go back to the cross and be reminded of the sacrifice that was paid for you and paid for me. And when you get a good perspective of what has been occurred, what has happened in your life, and how you have been blessed and lavished with grace, it's not near as hard to forgive somebody else. Just get back to the cross. We need to extend forgiveness to others because we've been forgiven sometimes we forget that my friends we've been in the church so long we forget where we got where we came from we were lost and dead in our sins we had no hope all we had was a future filled with hell itself (laughs) but we were saved the lord jesus came and died on the cross for us and rose again Because of that, our faith in him, we have forgiveness. Because we have been forgiven, we should forgive others. It's an expectation of the believer that you will have a forgiving spirit. Listen, I do believe we have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to forgive. Here in this passage again, verse 12, as we forgive our debtors, that word as "forgive," that verb, it's in that tense that speaks to a decisive action in the original language. In other words, you make this decisive moment. You have this decisive time in your life where you say, "I will forgive." In other words, you choose to forgive. You can do that. You and I, we have choices in this life, and we can choose to forgive other people. It's not easy. It's not easy. Quote my wife here. It's not easy, but it is necessary to make the choice to forgive. Too many of us, we take the easy path and we hold the grudges. We hold the grudges in our hearts and our lives. We determine that we will not forgive. Now, most of the time we do that because we want to somehow hurt the other individual. Right? Usually, I'm not going to forgive because I hope they know I won't forgive them. I hope they feel bad about it. I hope they just know. I just am not. I'm not going to restore this relationship. I hope they suffer because of what they've done. You know what? Most times, they don't care. I found that out in life. I, I was one of the world's worst at holding grudges. I mean, I could I could just bottle it up inside, and i just kind of say, you know, I'm just going to nurse this bitterness. And, 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 you know, maybe they'll get the message. They don't. No. You realize most all the time the person you're hurting is yourself. The bitterness, the acid that somehow corrodes your heart, it will eat you alive. That is the reason you have to choose to forgive. It will devastate you. When I was at New Orleans Seminary, I had a counseling professor named Dr. Hedrick. Wonderful man. He was one of those guys, I've told some of my students that that I teach that Dr. Hedrick was one of those guys that you came into the class and you asked him to pray for you because when he prayed, it would happen. I've never seen anybody else like this in all of my life. Never, ever. You came in and you had a check. You needed a check in the mail to, to cover your motor in your car because something would happen. That happened. to seminary students a lot, by the way. And you had to. you asked for prayer... I remember Dr. Hedrick, he would say, all right, only those of you who believe pray with us today. If you don't believe, don't you pray with us. You don't join us in this prayer. You just kind of, you, you, you got your mind on other things. You go out there and you do everything else. He said, but if you believe, you pray. We prayed. Within a week, it seemed like that check came through the mail. And all of us got up to the front of the class and raised our hand every time. Dr. Hedrick, would you pray for us? We got a prayer request. We used to think maybe he was writing the check and send it in the mail or doing something like that to answer his prayers. I don't know. It was unbelievable. But I remember one time as he was lecturing, he was speaking about forgiveness. Before he had come to New Orleans Seminary, at some point he had been working in the state mental health system. And as he was working in the state mental health system, he talked to one of his fellow counselors who was not a believer who began to talk to him about the issue of forgiveness. And Dr. Hedrick related to us that this other guy, this other non-believer that was there, that was a counselor, made the statement that he believed 70%, 70% of those who were in mental institutions could have gone home at some time if they had learned to forgive. I never forget that outstanding number. Now, I'm not not minimizing mental health. Do not. I know that there are those that really struggle. But sometimes it is because we have an unforgiving spirit in our hearts and lives. We've allowed it to just totally eat us up. The bitterness has consumed us. We must choose to forgive. Now as jesus is praying here i think part of it is god i need you to help me choose because the easy thing is to do it my way but god i need some heavenly power here to forgive i need you to empower me by the holy spirit to say it's okay you are forgiven and we not only have to choose to forgive but we have to sometimes choose to forgive repeatedly later on in matthew chapter 18 verse 21 you remember there's peter he's talking to jesus he says jesus how many times do i forgive someone seven i mean seven that's good right now remember if you've been here you know that i've said that the gospel of matthew was written to individuals that came mostly from a jewish background peter comes from a jewish background the number seven is the idea of complete completion, holiness. So it's the idea, do I pray or forgive them seven times? I mean, that would be the complete number. It seems like that would be great. And I'm writing it down every time on one, two, three, four, five, six. And Jesus says, King James, at least language says, no, you must forgive seven times 70. Some translations will say 77 Don't get hung up on whether it's seven times 70 or 77. What Jesus is saying is you got to keep doing it. You got to keep forgiving. Now, let me say this to the husband that is out here today. And you're dominating your wife. And you're doing everything that you want to do in your life. And you keep looking at her and you say to her, oh, you got to forgive me. Let me say to you that God does not honor such disobedience. If you want your wife to forgive you, why don't you bring a little bit of repentance along with you when you come to her? God calls us to have a forgiving spirit, not just a forgiving choice. Have a forgiving spirit in our hearts and lives. Well, let me give you the second truth. Some of you getting concerned. You see the time is slipping by. The first is this. Just as we need forgiveness from God, we need to forgive others. Others need forgiveness from us. The second truth is this. And and this should sober every one of us in this place. Just as we forgive others, God forgives us. Just as we forgive others, God forgives us. You know, God is worried about our earthly relationships, is he not? He is concerned. He writes a lot about it. it. Says a whole lot about our earthly relationships here together. He wants us to be right with one another. In Matthew chapter 5, just earlier, when Jesus is still teaching this Sermon on the Mount, he he talks about you coming to the altar and you're bringing a gift. And all of a sudden, you remember that somebody has something against you. What does he say? He says, you leave the gift right there and you go be reconciled to your brother. Because it's more important that you get this relationship right than it is for you to go through the ritual of offering. He said, it's important. Later on... Matthew chapter 18 again. Jesus is teaching. And he basically says if you see someone who is wronging someone else or wronging the church in particular, you go to him and you talk to him. So think about this. Whether you're wrong or they're wrong, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be proactive. You're supposed to go. That's how much Jesus cares about the relationships that we have with one another. And I really believe that too many of us are, are passive in our relationships and instead of being proactive in our relationships, are trying to make things right, reconciling. He is concerned about our relationships. He knows it affects our relationship with Him. This, this one should get your attention. 1 Peter 3, 7 speaks to the husbands talks about living in an appropriate manner toward your wife. And you know what he says? Peter writes, he says, you live in an appropriate manner toward your wife so your prayers are not hindered. In other words, your relationship to your wife affects your relationship to your God, husbands. And that's a relationship all of us, no matter what it is. Our relationships with each other affects our relationship with God. And basically what we see is that God deals with us just as we deal with other people. Isn't that what he's saying here? Okay, get back to verses 14 and 15. There in in Matthew 6. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave specific commentary on, at least immediate commentary on, was forgiveness. So he finishes Lord's Prayer, and what does he go back to? Forgiveness. And he says, if you forgive men their trespasses, guess the Father will be in right relationship with you. But if you will not live in right relationship with others, you will not have a right relationship with the Father. God's going to deal with you just as you deal with other people. I keep going back to Matthew 18. Maybe you ought to read it. Maybe God's telling us something. Go back and read it. But in that same context that Peter asked Jesus about how many times one must be forgiven, Jesus tells a little story. Remember the little story? About a king who comes to settle his accounts or settle the debts. And when he gets there, he has this one servant that owes 10,000 talents. The largest numeral in, in the Roman mind, the largest currency. Monetary unit in the Roman mind. It's like saying that he owed a gazillion dollars. Is that a word? Should have checked that problem. A billion dollars that he owed. No way he could ever pay it back. It said the king decided he'd just sell him off into slavery, sell his wife, sell his kids, take everything that he had and somehow sell that as well. The servant cried out to the king. He prayed for mercy. The king granted it. An exorbitant amount of grace and mercy. And then the scene shifts. That servant finds another servant who who owes him about a hundred denarii. That's still a pretty good sum of money, but nothing like what the first had owed. It says that he demands, he chokes him. He demands that he pay him and he has him thrown into prison until he can pay him back which we know you can't pay somebody back from prison the king hears about this wicked servant and he comes to him and he delivers him to the torturers until his debt is settled it is a story that all of us need to pay attention to all of us need to hear Because what God says is that He will deal with us just as we have dealt with other people. If we've shown grace to other people, we'll see grace. We'll see fellowship, relational aspects once again with God. Let me just say it this way You cannot have a right relationship with God if you don't have a right relationship with other people. You can't. Now, Paul said that we are to live peaceably as much as it depends upon us. I understand. I understand that other people have to come to the relationship. I understand that there has to be reconciliation between two. One can't just bring reconciliation. But I believe one can go in a forgiving, healing spirit to the other person. He can release that hatred from his heart. He can try to see what is wholesome and right. You cannot have a right relationship without seeking a right relationship with others. John Wesley, really the father of the Methodist movement, Methodist Church, he went before General Oglethorpe, governor. He protested his discipline or the consequences that the general had brought upon a certain man. And John Wesley asked for forgiveness. General Oglethorpe responded by saying, I never forgive. John Wesley responded by saying, Then, sir, I hope you never sin. Because if you never forgive, don't expect forgiveness or right relationship with the Father above. How in the world could we say that we want to be right with the Father when we won't be right with the rest of the family? Listen to the prayer once again. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Notice how Jesus parallels this. God, we need you to forgive us just like we forgive others. The consequence is, God, if we don't forgive others, don't forgive us. Charles Spurgeon said that unless a man forgives others, he actually signs his death warrant when he prays the Lord's Prayer. Augustine. He called it the terrible petition that we would go before God. And what are we setting ourselves up for? God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You think about it before you pray it, my friend. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, what are you asking God to do? You're asking God to demonstrate unforgiveness toward you? Strong, strong implications. Heavy words to pray. Unto Jesus. C.S. Lewis perhaps captures it best. I want to read this. C.S. Lewis says, No part of Jesus' teaching is clear. And there are no exceptions to it. He doesn't say that we are to forgive other people's sins providing they are not too frightful or provided there are extenuating circumstances or any of that sort. We are to forgive them all. However spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated. If we don't, we shall be forgiven none of our own. Jesus' words here should grip our hearts. We should pray because we need forgiveness. But we should pray asking for the power to forgive others because we need to forgive others. Now, we could have gotten into how we've broken the relationships too and all of that kind of stuff, and we could do that. All of us have created debt with other relationships. I understand that. But what I want to specifically say to you today is if there is a broken relationship and it is dependent upon you for forgiveness, forgive. Don't be the one breaking the relationship. Don't be the one transgressing the relationship. Forgive and forgive and forgive. How would I think it would bring, again, dynamic life to our relationship with God? Our spiritual walk would take off. If we would practice forgiveness in our earthly walk, hear God's word today. And yes, some of you, you know right now those that you need to forgive. If they're here, I tell you not to wait. Forgive them now. Don't wait. If it takes you getting home and calling, saying, i'm sorry and hey i want to forgive whatever it is you do it today unleash the power of god in your relationships and see his power unleashed in your life daily would you hear god's word again would you come would you commit yourself would you ask for that strength and that power today again would you forgive let's pray father Lord, this is a hard thing. God, if you were to open our hearts right now, if you were to peel back the layers before this congregation, Lord, many would see the the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that is there that has been in some way Caused by the sin here on this earth. And yes, even the broken relationships around us. And God, we're carrying, some of us are carrying it today. We are burdened down. We have guilt. But God, I pray that you would unleash the spirit of forgiveness here in this place. I pray that you would give us courage and power. Lord, to give unto others the forgiveness that you have given to us. God, I pray that if it's somebody here in this place, that today, right now, that we would just express a forgiving spirit to them. Lord, if it's somebody in our family, if it's somebody at work, Lord, that we would just extend that grace so that, Lord, when we pray this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors so that we would stand in full confidence knowing that we have a restored relationship with you. And Lord, that we're walking with you. God, speak to us. Challenge us. Change our homes. Change our church. Change our community by the power of your forgiveness. We pray it today. In Jesus' name, amen.